Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. It's good to see you all. Oh, I love worshiping with you. Isn't the Lord good? So good. And I'm glad for you online that can join us, but it's just not the same. Watching television worship or being in the, in the midst of it, you know, you, know you, you get wet when you're in the water. <laughs> Splash zone. So if you're able, I encourage you. I know some of you are maybe joining us from like our friends in Zambia, Africa, and I don't think you could probably make it over in time. Um, but the rest of you, so good to be with you. Buenos dias. Good morning. Buenos dias. ¿Cuántos hablan español? Ah, hay mucha gente que habla español. All right. We're going to have to do some more. We'll probably, I'm thinking I'll call you again, those of you that are interested. We prayed uh, two weeks ago, maybe. Was that right? And then we met a few weeks before that. I'm thinking maybe next week... If the weather's right, maybe after church, I need to check the calendar, but I think it's cool. We, we might just walk on over to Center Street and pray around there. With this, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we have a heart to develop a Spanish ministry out of this community. We want to be a blessing to our, our dear friends from um, Hispanos, the Latin Americans, those from all the various countries where Spanish is the mother language. Um, they are a huge part, a wonderful, blessed part of our nation. And we want to bring the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ right in our neighborhoods. There's so many Spanish-speaking people here in Oceanside. So that's what that's about. If you're interested in what I just said, call me. I'm very accessible, by the way. There's like not a bank of guards keeping me from anyone. You can call me, and I'll probably call you back eventually. So, so um, welcome. I am looking forward to opening the Bible today and teaching. I should let you know if, if you're new today, or you, yeah, if, you're, if this is your first time, we are teaching through a topical series right now, and you're in the fifth week of a series on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is language that Jesus used to launch his public ministry. It's also, according to the Bible, what he was doing even after the resurrection for 40 days after Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead. The Bible teaches that for 40 days he met with the disciples teaching about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is... uh, in my understanding, and, and according to you know, other people that are a lot smarter than I am, the central theme message, the message of Jesus' ministry. So he began his ministry saying, the time has now come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And as we read through the various passages of Jesus' teaching and then in the New Testament, more of the the apostolic writings, we discover that there's a mystery of the kingdom, and that is this. It didn't didn't work out the way the Hebrew prophets expected. They expected the day of the Lord would come, 
in a cataclysmic moment and this present evil age would be wiped out and the new age would begin. And then we learn from Jesus that he said two things. He said, one, it's time, it's now. But then he also went on to teach, well, that it's delayed. And he also taught, well, it's almost here. It's going to happen any second. He taught all three of those times, which is confusing. Was he confused? No. The truth is they're all three true. In Jesus, the kingdom of God came. That is, the rule and reign of God broke into this world at that time. And he went on to say, here's some evidence. When you see, for example, me come and drive out demons by the power of God, that will tell you the kingdom of God has come upon that person. He said all those works were evidence the end has already come. But it's also delayed because he said, I'm going away, and he told parables about that. We'll probably read one of them one of these days in this, in this series. But I'm going away, and you need work to do while I'm gone, and then I'm going to come back again, and I'm going to consummate the kingdom, and that's when the final end will come. And the, the word, by the way, that we've, some of us have learned, some of us already knew, the word that describes the end of the world is eschatology. And that word's going to show up in a quote I'm going to open up here with you. So you need to know that word. Is that a weird word, eschatology? It's S-E-S-C-H, eschatology. <laughs> anyway, thank you for laughing. <laughs> I wasn't sure that was funny. <laughs> anyway, this is all intro. There are many things to learn, and today we're going to be learning some about the Holy Spirit. As I was looking at the notes I prepared and gave to the projector guys to show you some scriptures, I, I thought to myself, there's a good chance that what I've prepared to share, there was like three main points I wanted to drive home and read scripture about to teach us, probably there won't be enough time. Um, so I might just take what, we've, what I'm prepared for today and turn it into two or three talks, if that's okay with you. I really want you to learn. I'm excited about this. Now, uh, I also want to say this. I'm still just kind of you know, revving up the motor before I start opening the Bible to teach this to you. I want to explain this concept for you. A reason why it's good for us to come together and learn about the things of God is not just so that we can say, oh, now we know a lot. And knowledge puffs up, the Bible says, but love builds up. It's not just so we have knowledge, but here's a path that will help you if you don't think this way. I think it'll help you. It certainly helps me. The path of spiritual growth, you could say, or the path of appropriating the promises of the Bible, the path of appropriating or making active in my life the promises regarding the kingdom of God works like this. It starts with revelation. Revelation is the knowing or the revealing of God's truth as we read his Bible, as we read the word. Things become revealed to us that we didn't know before. Revelation is the unfolding of something that was hidden, always was there. It's opened up so we can learn it. So it starts with revelation. Out of revelation... That gives birth to expectation. If I'm told something is possible in God's word, it's not yet my experience, but I'm told it's possible, now I can expect that maybe it could be mine. So revelation comes from the Bible. 
It builds expectation in me. Now I take that expectation and I marry it with my response, which is fervent prayer and seeking. This will work a lot of help for us. We read a promise in the Bible. We think it's true. Faith builds that it could be true in our lives. And then we go to work praying, saying, God, the thing that you said, I want it to become true in my life. So often... The thing that God promises to us, we don't really experience until we seek it, even though it's been available all the time. We have a role by God's mercy and his wisdom. He's decided that we get to play a part. He doesn't just lay it all out before us always. He sometimes does. But often, and I think usually, he tells us what's available and says, now let's see who's interested. Let's see who wants some. Who's going to go get some? Because the people that don't want it and don't get it, they don't get it. But the people that want it and pray and seek for it, get it. Did that make sense? So that's why it's good to just learn stuff, not just so you end up at learning, but so that you take that learning, turn it into expectation and faith, and turn that into seeking fervent prayer until the thing that God has already promised becomes real in your life. You'll see in the Bible, you know, maybe we'll read that another time, places where people laid hold in the Old Testament of God's prophecies and began to pray that the thing that God said he would do would come true, and then it came true. Daniel did that. Okay, so that's all before I even opening the Bible. You still want to go? Now you sound hungry. Okay, so we're going to be speaking about the promised. That word is particularly important for our topic, the promised In other words, one that was predicted, prophesied about as part of the kingdom of God, the promised Holy Spirit, how he is God's empowering presence to enable us to live the life of the future. Now, remember, the kingdom of God topic could be said this way. We live in the already and the not yet. Jesus has come, and we're already laying hold of the future in our lives now. But it's not yet fully here, so there's tension, there's warfare, there's seeking, there's mourning, there's crying, there's praying, there's experiencing victory, there's sometimes experiencing defeat, because there's a battle, there's a tension between the already and the not yet. We live the life of the future now as the kingdom of God breaks into our lives. By the way, those of you that are talking about revival, many of you are because of what's been happening in our nation recently, even this movie, Jesus Revolution, which was about probably the greatest revival that ever hit the planet about 50 years ago, more than that now, huh, in the late 60s, early 70s. Revivals are inbreaking of God's kingdom so that we experience the powers of the coming age now. Sins are forgiven. In the future, there will be no sin. Sicknesses and diseases are healed in the future. There will be no sickness, no disease. Relationships are mended. In the future, all relationships will be shalom. They'll be flourishing in the fullness of God's kingdom. So we get to live in the presence of the future. Now, the Holy Spirit being given is a part of the promise of bringing to reality the future age now. That's why it's good for us to know about the Holy Spirit. Let me read a quote. You know, I often recommend books to you. I've heard this, leaders are readers. You ever heard that? Leaders are readers. I've read that God's ordained 
that he's put teachers in the body of Christ to equip us to do the ministry of Jesus. Teachers very often write their teachings, so we go and read their teachings so we can be equipped. That's my plug for what you ought to read. Okay, so here's today's book recommendation. One of my all-time favorite books on the topic of the Holy Spirit was written by a New Testament scholar named Gordon Fee. He passed away just uh, several months ago. Brilliant guy. He, he wrote a massive volume called God's Empowering Presence where he, as a scholar, looked at every reference to the Holy Spirit in Paul's writings. And you will never read this book. I will never read it. It's too much to read. It's 1,500 pages. I own it, and I page through it occasionally, and I get lost. I don't speak Greek, but he does, and it helps. But he did us a favor. He wrote another little book that I can read that summarizes the therefore message of the big book, okay? That book is called Paul, the Spirit, and the people of God. Highly recommend it. Here's a quote from that. You ready? I think it's an important quote. If the church is going to be effective in our postmodern world, we need to stop paying mere lip service to the Spirit and recapture Paul's perspective. The Spirit as experienced, empowering, Return of God's own personal presence in and among us, who enables us, I'm going to use the eschatological word here, eschatology, who enables us to live as radically eschatological people, remember, the end of the world people, in the present world while we await the consummation. Was that too much for your brain? I had to read it several times to get all that. If we're going to be effective, he says, we, we got to stop saying, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now let's move on and do something else. We have to engage the reality that Paul, the apostle in your Bible, engaged. That God has sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and among us to enable us to live as radically already not yet people, eschatological people, in this present evil age while we await for Jesus' return when the end will come. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, revelation, expectation, prayer. If I begin to learn about what is available to me by means of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life, I will begin to seek and pray for more of that reality, and I will experience his reality. If I don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit available to me, I won't have any expectation, I won't know what to pray for. Does that make sense? So that's why this is important teaching to me. And there's three things that I want to talk about. And I'm, we'll, oh, that clock's broken, so that won't help after watch this one. It's been slow, but it's like dead now. It was, you know, there's mostly dead. I think it's all dead. We need to get a new clock. But my watch is working, okay? If I remember to look at it. Someone throw something at me if I get too long-winded, okay? Gently. Um, 
Where was I? Oh, Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to pray that you help the preacher. Open our ears and help us to learn of your ways in Jesus' name. Three things. One, I want to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit, both out of the mouth of Jesus and from the Old Testament prophets. There'll be a section of that. The second thing that I want to talk about is the role of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live righteous lives, to be good people. You've met some Christians that say on their bumper sticker, yeah, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And some use that as an excuse to really not be perfect. And that's not God's plan. Salvation with the presence of the Holy Spirit is actually supposed to change us. So we might have been not so perfect before, but we're supposed to be getting better. We're supposed to be sinning less. We're supposed to be acting in love more, more kindness, more generosity, looking more like Jesus. Okay, if you didn't know, the Holy Spirit is at work to enable us to do that. And if I know that, I can pray that that will happen more and more. And lo and behold, I end up looking a little bit more like Jesus. And the third area, so there's three areas, the promise, the Holy Spirit empowering us to, for righteous living, and the third is the one we more talk about, especially in a vineyard church, the Holy Spirit empowering us to do the works of the kingdom, the works that Jesus did, where he said, you're going to do greater works than I did. You're going to go raise the dead. You're going to speak in tongues. You're going to prophesy. You're going to do all these things that I've been doing and more. That's the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So you good? You're all with me, it looks like it. You know, before there was a thing called COVID, I don't know if you remember, that was, there was a life before <laughs> everything changed. Um, I used to print out notes for you, and, and then they um, said, well, don't hand anything out, because maybe the virus will get on the paper and then you'll spread it. Remember that? So I haven't been doing that lately. It's been saving a lot of printing money. That's kind of nice. But you might think of bringing something to write on. Or you might say, Ron, would you please give us notes again? And then I will say, okay. And by the way, anything I say today that you think, man, that was good. I wish I could remember it. And you forgot it. Again, call me. Call the church. Email me. And I'll send it to you personally. You'll have it, okay? Oh, it's on. Thank you. It's on YouTube. It's always on Facebook. Sometimes it's on YouTube. Often. But that's, that's like another step. And I'm a pastor who knows technology, but it's probably best if I don't spend all my time like editing videos. So if anyone says, Ron, I'll do that for you, I'll take that. Come on, see me. Okay, back to this. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, at the Last Supper, we just had communion, remembering that event, Jesus talked to the disciples at great length about the Holy Spirit that was coming. Remember, they love Jesus. They like walking with him. It's fun to see him multiply food. They watched him heal leopards, and their mouths dropped to the ground. It was amazing. And he's telling them, I'm going to go away, and they think that must be code for something else because he wouldn't go away. But he says, no, I'm going to get killed. Oh, what does it mean to be killed? They thought, this can't be. He said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a cross and die. And they were confused. And he said some things about the Holy Spirit. John 14 through John 16. Here's some of that. This is John 14, verse 15. He's responding to their confusion. And he says, if you love me, 
you will obey what I command. That's worth a whole sermon right there, by the way. The love language of Jesus is obedience. If you love me, you'll obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. I'm a counselor, he'll give you another one. The word there means one called alongside to help. You've heard this word, some of you, the Greek paraclete or parakletos. I will send you another one like me to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. And they're like, we don't know him. They're like, no, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. When, Jesus, when I say Jesus lives in me, there isn't a miniature Jesus person, human flesh and bones in my heart. There is a spirit, the spirit of Jesus literally living within me. Jesus is with me by his spirit, also known as the Holy Spirit. This is the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one. All three, by the way, are in this passage. When that person comes knocking at your door and says, you know, the Trinity is in the Bible, just open this up and read it to them. It doesn't say the word Trinity, but here we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know him, he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world won't see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize I am in my Father. My Father's in me, and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and obey him, he's, obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then Judas, not Iscariot, not the betrayer, but the other Judas, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, the people that get to know Jesus are the ones who love him. The people who say, I don't want to know Jesus, he says, that's fine, you don't have to know me. You'll be sorry. I'm offering for you to know me, but if you don't want to know me, you get to choose that, and I'll answer your prayer. I recommend you don't pray that. Choose to know me. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. I love this sentence. We will come to him and make our home with him. And I'll probably say this a couple times as time permits, but I want you to know if you have followed Jesus, you've chosen to make him Lord you have the Holy Spirit living in you. It's a promise. You may ignore him. You may never talk to him, but he's there waiting. You can't be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Some Christians live in ignorance of the Holy Spirit, and I don't recommend that. I recommend we have a revelation of who he is so that we can access his power in our lives. Where am I? Ah, yes, Old Testament. Interestingly, as we were praying this morning, some of us gather earlier at 8.30 or so, um, Brother Roy began to pray what I'm about ready to read to you. I thought, oh, that's good confirmation. Moses and his story provides a foretaste thousands of years before the outpouring of the Spirit of what it's like to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we learn about the promised Holy Spirit by seeing first hints and first experiences that a few people in the Old Covenant experienced. 
Exodus 33, Moses is having a talk with God. I recommend you read the chapter, Exodus 33. Read the whole section, actually. Um, Moses comes down from the mountain with God's instructions, Torah. We call it usually law, but it better translated to the instructions for the good life, Torah. The Ten Commandments is a huge part of that. Before Moses makes it down the hill with the Ten Commandments, the people of Israel have broken most of them already. And Moses gets mad and he breaks them, literally the, the stones that they're on, the stone tablets. And God says to Mo- Moses, you know, I'm done with these people. I've had it up to here with these people. I'm going to kill them all and start again with you. And Moses says, please don't do that. What are the nations going to say? There's this intercession and God says, you're right, I'm not going to kill them. But I'm not going to go with you when you go to the promised land because I might kill you. That, have you read this? God's like, I'm up to here with you people. You're always sinning. I've rescued you and you keep sinning. And Moses says, don't send us into the promised land without your presence. And God says, okay, I'll go with you. And here's how it goes. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It's like the end of the day, the work's done. I'm going to bring you to the promised land and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? This is true today. The thing that is supposed to distinguish the people of God from the people that are not the people of God is the presence of God. And if we don't have the presence of God emanating from us, we're no different. It's available to us that people meet us if we're walking in the Spirit and they know something's different. You may have had that experience. Occasionally in my life, I've had someone say, what is it about you? Because they're sensing the presence of God. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and sometimes I let him out. And you ought to, too. So the presence of God went with the people of Israel. Later, Isaiah the prophet helps us understand that the presence was no one other than the Holy Spirit himself. Isaiah 63 talks about this more fully. One verse I'm pulling out for you, but I recommend the whole chapter. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. Remember, I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Isaiah explains, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. The Lord guided Israel with the Holy Spirit. This is foretaste of the promised Holy Spirit. Later, the prophet Isaiah is the one Jesus quotes most often, talking about the kingdom of God. And he lets us know a long time before Jesus even comes that when the kingdom of God comes, there'll be an outpouring of God's Spirit. And here's some language of that. In Isaiah 32, verse 15, he says, I'm picking up in the middle of a sentence, till the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field becomes like a forest. If your life is like a desert, you ever experienced desert in your life? It looks like sand. 
There's not a lot of life. There's not a lot of fruit. There's nothing left. God says, here's a promise. My Holy Spirit will come, and I'll take that desert and turn it into a fertile field. But God, who seems to be overabundantly giving, says, actually, that's not enough. Your fertile field is going to become like a forest. I'll take your desert and turn it into a forest, and I'll do it by my Spirit. This is part of the promise of what the Holy Spirit's like in the lives of people who give their lives to Jesus. He turns deserts into forests, hard ground. Have you ever been in a forest and the, the ground's almost moist? I mean, it's just it's so rich soil. The leaves have fallen and the pine cones, and it's just it looks like anything could grow there. That's what your life and my life can be like with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise in the Old Covenant. By the way, if you don't know this language, you have a Bible, I hope you do, has a New Testament and an Old Testament. You've heard that language. Testament means covenant, the agreement God makes with his people. There was an Old Covenant, and then with Jesus, there's a New Covenant. And so that's what I'm referring about with the Old Covenant and New Covenant, which comes up in, the next, in another prophecy. Another one from Isaiah, though. For I will pour out water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees, by flowing streams. So, I, so prophet Jeremiah predicted a day would come when God would make a new covenant with his people. We read about it in our New Testament. That's what that language means. He said, you know, this people of Israel who have kept sinning and now are going to go into exile under the Babylonian Empire, God in his mercy will bring you back, but a day is coming when he's going to be done with the current covenant and make a new covenant. Huge to read about in the Bible. We could do weeks and weeks reading this, but Jeremiah chapter 31 especially, and then the last chapters of the book of Hebrews describes it more fully, but listen to this promise. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law, remember law is translating the word Torah, which means the instructions from God for living the good life. I will put my Torah, my law, in their minds and write it on their hearts, no longer on tablets of stone, but written on our hearts. You've experienced this if you've come to Jesus and discovered that things that you used to like to do suddenly don't taste good anymore. That was God writing his instructions on your heart. Places you used to like to go and you thought were fun and full of life now look like they're not fun and full of death. Because God's opened your eyes and written his instructions on your heart, that was done by the Holy Spirit who's living in you. Ezekiel, another prophet, describes this new covenant in terms of the Spirit like this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. That rocky, hard, desert-like heart, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to give you a soft, fleshy heart moldable, full of love, full of opportunity for God to work through you. And I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Another prophecy brings us into the new covenant period. How are you guys doing? I might only get to, like, the first point. Then you have to, you'll come back? Okay. <laughs> this is really important stuff. Revelation, 
gives birth to expectation. Expectation causes me to pray fervently for the thing that's been revealed to me until it becomes actualized in my life. Okay? On the day of Pentecost, which has, you've heard that language, Pentecost, means 50, 50 days after the Passover. You saw the video, we're going to celebrate the Passover. 50 days after the Passover, God poured out his Holy Spirit the way it was promised on the people the church was born. And you've heard the stories of how it came like a rushing mighty wind. There was 120 people in an upper room. Suddenly they begin speaking in other tongues, other languages they didn't know. They're prophesying the glories of God. A crowd comes. And, and they're saying, what's going on? Some are saying, oh, they're just drunk. And Peter, the apostle, goes up and goes, no, it's only 9 in the morning. They're not drunk yet. It looks like they're drunk, but they're not drunk. This is something else. In fact, this is the prophet Joel being fulfilled. Old Testament prophet brought into the New Testament. This is the fulfillment that the end times have come. So here's the prophecy. When the Spirit's out, poured out, the end times have begun. If you're wondering, are we in the end times? Yeah, we've been there since the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We're just getting more to the ender of the end times. <laughs> but we've been in a long end times period. So here's the quote from the prophet Joel. Peter says, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel in the last days. Eschatology, in the end times, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on your servants even. Men and women alike. In other words, everybody, every gender, every race, every socioeconomic status. It's for everybody. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heaven and signs on the earth below. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's Old Testament predictions and Jesus' mouth prediction of the coming Holy Spirit. Let's see if I can go any farther. What do you think? It's 11. You want to go home? You want more? Okay, I'll try to do it short. Oh, it's on ten. your clock's wrong, bro. We pray healing on your clock right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> the wife says, don't listen to my husband. <laughs> you guys are a crazy church. Okay, the, this, this promise and now the second point of revelation about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit not only is to empower us to do these mighty signs and wonders, he's also there to fulfill the promise of the new covenant to make people live righteously. Starts out with this very challenging word from Jesus. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that was a frightening word because for the people hearing it, they thought, I thought those were the best of the best. They are the best religious people we've ever seen. And they are scrupulous, scrupulous, however you say that, to obey the Torah. And Jesus said, you know, your righteousness has to get beyond theirs. And there's, there's a lot of truth that comes out as he teaches that he's looking for a righteousness that is from the heart outward, not from the outside in. He said, clean the inside, and then the outside will be you know, the, the Spirit of God in us. We, but we need to avoid two extremes 
This is important for Christians today. One says, well, I'm saved by faith through grace. I can live any way I want. I've heard reports of people saying to their not married girlfriend when they're married to someone else, it's okay, honey, because I live in grace and God will forgive me. I can do anything I want. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You cannot do anything you want. Grace is not a license to sin. It's, not, it's, it's a power to help us not sin. But there's mercy to forgive us of all our sins. So avoid the extreme that says, doesn't matter, I can live like hell because I've got grace. No, you can't. Don't fall into that extreme, but don't fall over here and get so legalistic that you say, I'm not sure I'm even with Jesus because I sinned again. I had this thought. I don't think I'm saved. I don't think I'm in the kingdom. That, this side where you're like struggling. I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. If you think you've committed the unpardonable sin and you care about it, you can't have committed the unpardonable sin. Because if you have, you wouldn't care. You see how that works? So if you care, you didn't. If you don't care, you might have. <laughs> but if you care, if you're like worried, then you didn't. Okay, so neither extreme, but realize that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to empower you to walk out what has already been accomplished in justification at the cross. We've been declared righteous. We've been given the righteousness of Jesus upon us. Because of he's, he's paid the price for all of our sins, we get the reward of his perfect life. And we have the Holy Spirit to work that out in us in our daily life. Here's some scripture about that. Titus chapter 3. It's about righteousness and about the Holy Spirit's work. Remind the people, Paul is writing to a guy named Titus about how to be a pastor of a church in Crete. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Sounds like, be good citizens. To be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. To do, to do what is good is called righteous living. To slander no one. Well, you can slander if, if it's on Facebook, right? Oh, you can't there either. <laughs> to slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate. To show true humility toward all men. That is, to live righteously. And then he says, you know, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in unrighteousness. We lived in malice. We lived in envy. We were hated, and we hated each other. And then the kindness of God and love of our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. So it is by grace. But watch the role of the Holy Spirit in salvation. He cleanses, renews, and empowers. Watch these words. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, salvation. By the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. Poured out sounds like rain coming on dry desert land that becomes a fertile field and then a forest. He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, so that having been justified by grace, we become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and 
Titus, as you work with those people in Crete, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Bunch of do-gooders. By the power of the Spirit. If you don't find it in your heart to do what's right, you can know that not only should you, and you can apply your kind of self-effort. Let me back up. If you live on this side of those two extremes, and you work hard, hard, hard at being a good person and not sinning, two possible things will happen. One, you'll fail and be extremely defeated and depressed. Or two, you'll think you did pretty good and you'll become a self-righteous nut job. Going around, pointing your finger at people, judge. These are not nice Christians when they're like that. You don't want to be this guy that's pointing your finger at everybody. You don't want to be this guy that says, oh, I'm just such a failure. Oh, I hate oh. You want to be this guy that says, I'm full of the Spirit of God, and I'm in process. I'm living in the tension of the already and not yet. I'm already justified I'm not yet fully righteous, but by God's grace, his spirit's in me, and he's enabling me today to live more righteously than I did yesterday. Lord, let it be so. Come today and fill me and empower me and change me. And he answers that prayer. The next thing you know, you're finding that you are becoming more righteous, but you're not becoming proud and self-righteous. You're like, wow, I can't believe you did it, Lord. You changed me. Thank you. And humbly and graciously and generously, you encourage others to come along with you without pointing the finger. That's righteousness by the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more in the New Testament to tell you about that. But now it's eight minutes after 11. So I'm going to hope that you want more and you'll come back. And if you want to know what I was going to say, send me an email and I'll tell you. If the church, that's us, is going to be effective in this age. We need to pay more than mere lip service to the Holy Spirit. We need to think about the Holy Spirit the way Paul did, as the return of God's personal presence in us and among us to empower us to live as radically eschatological people, radically as the people of the coming age in this present age while we await Jesus' return and the consummation of the kingdom that sound good? Maybe we should stand now and invite a worship band to come up. If you're here and you haven't ever given your life to Jesus, I think today's a really good day to do that. Why would you wait any longer? If you're listening to me, hi, online, why would you wait any longer? This is the good life. Why would you want a desert life? Wouldn't you like to have a fertile field? Wouldn't you like to have a forest? Vibrant, green with the life of God? It starts by turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and I trust you to save me now. I give you the keys of my life. 
You're now in charge. Wash me, renew me, and empower me by your spirit. I give you my life. You pray a prayer like I just demonstrated, everything becomes new. And now the Holy Spirit is with you. You'll see some changes already, but as you learn more about the change that's possible, you'll pray for it, and it will become reality, and you'll live radical lives. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to freshly be poured out upon us, to turn any desert that's left in our lives into fertile fields. We're asking you to help us to be good, righteous living people today more than we were yesterday. Give us eyes to see the good that you want us to do. Give us hearts of compassion for hurting people that we would do good to them. Give us a longing to see people enter into life that you have available so that we will be a blessing wherever we go. Fill our mouths with words of blessing and encouragement. Fill our hands with good deeds of blessing. Let us be hope to the hopeless. Let us bring food to the hungry. Empower us to clothe the naked, to help those who are unsheltered, to be people that do good in your name, for your glory, and for the blessing of our world. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.